agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government of the government love, the government of the government love, the government Welcome to The Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, professor of political science at North Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, Cleveland Area Attorney Jay Carson. Hi, Mike. Hey, Jay. How are you doing? Well, I'll tell you, I'm, uh, after this week, I, I feel sort of like uh, uh, Vincent Price uh, screaming out, help me, help me, in a very tiny voice. <laughs> okay, maybe we'll we'll get into the reasons for that. If, I, people, if people get that, yes, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, before we get started, Jay, I wanted to mention something new that we're doing, and that is we're offering a new. Uh, I guess you could call it sort of a benefit, depending on how you look at it. To supporters of the show, we've set up a private uh, invitation only, supporters only discussion group on Discord, and. It's really simple to uh, to get set up. If you're already a supporter, just go to discord.com, create an account. It's free. It's really simple. Then just log into your Patreon account, go to the apps tab, and just click connect next to Discord, and boom, you're all set up. And that's going to be our main place to post things about the news and interact with folks, because to this point, we've been sort of all over the place. There's the bipartisan politics group. There's the Facebook and Twitter and so forth. And those will still be around, but we're going to be focusing specifically on that. Well, it's kind of a way to keep things a little more, I'd like to think, focused and allow for more interaction between uh, all of our hosts and supporters. And uh, we, we hope you we hope you enjoy it. And we'd also like to thank our newest sustaining supporters, Eric, Caroline, Douglas, Jersey G, Ryan, Stephanie, Monty, Shane, Heather, the guys at the Cue It Up podcast, and Keith, who has increased his monthly pledge of support. And uh, that's a lot. Yeah, well, you know, it's been two weeks since I've uh, I've been on the show, and so they kind of uh, back up, I guess. And so we're happy we can acknowledge all of you, and it really means a lot that you are supporting the show. So. Thank you very much for that. And of course, as a Patreon supporter, you not only get that second full-length episode every week, you also get ad-free versions of everything and other things, levels of support, like, for instance, that Discord thing that we just added. And again, if financial considerations make it uh, impossible for you to support the show at this time, but you want to get access to all that, just let me know. Send me an email, mike at politicsguys.com, and I'm happy to get you set up with access to all of our content. Okay, with that out of the way, Jay, uh, let's, uh, you can go ahead and take it away. And what is our top story this week? Well, our top story, as you might expect, is the continuing fallout of uh, President Trump's uh, uh, coronavirus uh, diagnosis uh, and potentially uh, miraculous recovery. Um, and, and just sort of what we, we still don't know how this is affecting the landscape. Uh, just for a brief recap, uh, the president uh, returned to the White House on Monday uh, and stated that he's feeling great, best in 20 years, uh, sang the, pra- the praises of uh, Regeneron, uh, promised to uh, provide that for free to everybody. Um, uh, then uh, had another uh, uh, statement, you know, sort of the next day again, sort of indicating that he believes he's in great health. Uh, his tests uh, appear to show that he does have a, an antibody response, which may be uh, part antibodies, may be his response to, or maybe the antibodies he was injected with, uh, the mono, uh, uh, monoclonal, um, uh, monoclonal uh, 
uh, antibodies that were a good part of the experimental treatment uh, that he received. Uh, so at this point, we still don't know, though, when um, his last, uh, when he tested negative last before testing positive, which, which is a concern for folks, uh, because was he actually out doing things, holding the debate uh, when he was actually you know, positive and, and likely um, contagious? Uh, and the, the sort of the flip side of that, the other piece of this is we don't know when he's not going to be contagious. Uh, most scientists and doctors have said, well, 10 days uh, from infection, or uh, if, you're, if you're so many four days without, without symptoms, um, or am I goofing that up? 10 days without symptoms, um, you are you know, presumed to be no longer contagious or, or at least not a, a high risk. So we move to the next part, uh, which is there was a debate that was supposed to go forward on uh, uh, Wednesday of uh, Thursday of this week. Uh, and a commission on presidential debates uh, said we will hold it virtually out of concern of, of Trump's uh, diagnosis. Uh, the president then said he's not going to do a virtual debate, at which point Joe Biden said he's not going to uh, do one himself. So there, that's where we are. And I guess the state of play. Oh, and I, I should add uh, to make everything just a little weirder. Uh, Nancy Pelosi announced uh, just yesterday that the House is moving forward with a bill to create a commission to examine uh, presidential fitness uh, under the 25th Amendment. Um, so that's that's sort of the, the state of play, Mike. And I'll, I'll turn it over to you, because when we sort of teed up the, the categories, we sort of did this broad uh, Trump White House coronavirus. And, and there's sort of a lot to unpack there. Um, but I guess let's <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll start with with your thoughts on um, uh, where where this impacts the, the campaign from now. Uh, sure. I I think before we maybe talk about how it impacts the campaign, I, I guess I want to start with saying something that I think you'll agree with, and, and I'll see. I think you'll agree that the president has a responsibility to take uh, reasonable measures to protect his health and the health of uh the people that he interacts with, top administration officials and government officials and that sort of thing. Yes, I absolutely. That's a pretty uncontroversial thing to, to argue. And it seems to me that it's sort of difficult to argue that President Trump has done this. And, and I'm wondering if you would agree with that. Uh, yeah, yes and no. And I guess a lot of that depends on, you know, things that we don't know yet. Um, for example, when when his last negative test was, when he you know, tested positive, um, and, and how he conducted himself since then. Um, so I, I guess we don't know what we, we don't know. And obviously I, I, you know, there's no way for you and me to know exactly what goes on in the white house. Uh, anecdotally, um, you know, it's the, the sense has been that, that protocols are, are not, had not been stringently followed are perhaps being more stringently followed now. There's there's few people going in the Oval Office. There's safeguards in place or more safeguards. But again, that's that sort of stuff that you know all, sure. all we can you know we're just basing it on what on what we read in the paper. Now, now someone who does know a lot more about this would be, for instance, Mitch McConnell. And on yes. Thursday, Mitch McConnell said he hadn't been to the White House in more than two months. 
because uh, his, in his uh, words, my impression was their approach to how to handle this was different than mine and what I insisted that we do in the Senate, which is to wear a mask and practice social distancing. So uh, I think that there's, uh, if Mitch McConnell is reluctant to go to the White House, I, I think that's a pretty good indication, right? Well, if you and Mitch McConnell are on the same page, then- You know, then, that's got to yes, be a Yes, I mean, concern. my gosh, what are, what are we coming to? Um, and, and and again, I you know we won't we won't belabor this because now that that rose garden ceremony is being called a super spreader event, and the administration line for a while was well, it was an outdoor thing, but of course there was an indoor component, and we we've all seen the pictures of that and handshakes and hugs and things like that, and it's difficult to to say that that represents uh, you know a responsible uh, a responsible sort of. Well, response to to the pandemic and those events could have happened and that could have been the announcement could have been made in a way that was more responsible. But the administration chose not to do that. And now the consequences are that there are an awful lot of uh, top Republican officials who are you know, uh, testing positive. Well, you, there, there is something that I mean, that, that I think we, you, we should add is that with these White House, uh, the, the Rose Garden ceremony um, and other visits, supposedly everyone was was tested with one of the the rapid tests uh, prior to um, being admitted. Um, and see, now yeah, that that yeah. seems that that's not not enough or not helpful. Um, Which is odd to me, Jay. And I think I'm glad you pointed that out because it seems odd to me that given the fact that. No one is in a better position to have access to the best science on this than the people at the White House. And everyone, I, I thought everyone knows that you don't necessarily or you can have COVID for a number of days without necessarily testing positive. And so the idea that a test in and of itself would be sufficient protection, I mean, it, it just seems it seems strange to me that that would be the argument when it just flies in the face of what is pretty clear about what we know about positive tests and, and when a person has it as an infectious. I mean, does that, does that seem odd to you? Well, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I, look, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, I don't see, I, I don't see what the downside would have been um, in, in moving forward with other precautions, you know, Separating, you know, spreading out uh, everybody's seats, having everyone wear masks—that typical thing that uh, having only outdoor events that, that we're seeing everywhere else in the world. Um, so, no, I, I agree that that more could have been done. Uh, at the same time, yeah, there was a strange over reliance, apparently, on these these rapid tests. So, I, I think that's, um, and you know, I wanted to get your take on something kind of broader than this. That I looked at one review, uh, this was from Ballotopedia, and they kind of looked at all federal officials or candidates from, for federal office. And they found that of people who have announced that they are positive for coronavirus, that right around 73% were for, from Republican officials or candidates from office. And I wanted to get your take on why you think the percentage of Republicans who are getting this is so much higher than Democrats. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I suppose there's the, the, the karma theory. Um, well, let's, I think we can reject that out of hand, right? Okay. <laughs> God hates out. Republicans. Yeah, let's just put that aside, okay? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, it, it, it could be, uh, again, just the, 
they're out there. Uh, they are 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 doing more events. Um, I it it's it's hard to say. Uh, so I you know it, it, I, you'd have to look at what each of these folks individually uh, is doing and their surroundings individually. It could also bear on um, their you know I, I think the, to some extent that. That there's also a, a some sort of a matter of of uh, luck or good luck or bad luck on on these things, right? That that uh, you know you can have someone um, who just happens to test positive and and then infects um, uh, a lot of, of folks around them, um, you know, regardless of of the, pre the precautions you take, it's sort of the precautions they take and. Um, so I, I don't know. I guess I, I just don't know enough to say um, why more Republicans have been announcing that they're, they're diagnosed. See, um, I, I would I mean, my I mean, ex I, my explanation is kind of an Occam's razor sort of thing is that it seems to me that re Republicans in general are uh, a lot less willing to go along with uh, social distancing and mask wearing. And because of that, they are uh, they have greater exposure. I mean, that to me would be the sort of most straightforward. Uh, Right. I, I would say that's that is not an irrational um, hypothesis. Yeah. And, you know, speaking but, of. But I but I but I guess I would say that that we don't necessarily have the, the the data to support that, that that is a hypothesis. Absolutely. And and the the the, the numbers we're talking about um, in terms of a sample are because you know, we're talking Republican office holders, right? Uh, no, office holders and candidates, ballot PD. Candidates. Okay. So, so there are, there are hundreds a, and hundreds a, of these folks because it's yeah. every candidate for Congress uh, and every, every federal office holder who, and that's, you know, that was their sample. So it's a pretty big sample. And, uh, you know, that just, that just struck me. And so I think, you know, this is, that's an important point to make that it's not just sort of a equal, maybe it's an equal opportunity thing, but of course you're a lot less likely to get it if you take appropriate precautions. That's all. And, you know, you mentioned irrational responses and that brings me to a second thing is, you know, uh, president Trump has seemed, I would, I would argue even more erratic than usual in the last week. Now I, I am a doctor, but I'm not that kind of doctor. Right. And so, I mean, things like, and we'll talk about this in a minute, saying that stimulus talks are on on Tuesday or off on Tuesday after the election. Now they're on again and back and forth and back and forth. And a lot of things are going on uh, Fox News and saying uh, uh, Kamala Harris is a monster, you know, more than once calling her a monster and things like that. And, you know, maybe there are some people who are saying, well, maybe it's because he's all hopped up on steroids and uh, monoclonal antibodies and who knows what else they've been, you know, bleach or, you know, sunlight injections, who knows. but. I'm I'm a little bit reluctant to go there just because I think if you just kind of look at the polling numbers, uh, maybe maybe the president's just a little more concerned about his prospects for reelection. And so he's kind of flailing out a little. I think there are a lot of reasons for Donald Trump to be kind of concerned and, and a little freaked sure. out right now. And well, maybe I think, I think you also have to look at I mean look at what what baseline donald trump is yeah exactly right no and if if it, if it was mike pence uh who was saying these sort of things um or doing these sort of things then then yes i think there there would be more concern that but but this is to some extent look this is always what he's like he, yeah. this sort of sort of mercurial um it's on again off again you know that's how he negotiates um uh, so i i think there's there's some of that and the 
you know, the, the big, big broad statements and the name calling and stuff. Well, um, if, you know, that's been Donald Trump for, you know, 30 years, 40 years, his entire life. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I do think there is, is maybe some, um, I don't want to say desperation, but, uh, yeah, concern. And, and his, his response to that is to, to hit, hit back harder. Um, and, uh, uh, be sort of, it's sort of his, his response is to double down on being Trump, right? Yeah. Yeah. To, to be more of, of what he always is. It's sort of, if, if he sort of feels like if he's not winning, then he's not being Trumpian enough, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And, you know, he, I think you mentioned, you alluded to this earlier, mentioned it, that uh, President Trump said he feels better than he has in, in 20 years. And he also mentioned that he thought that his getting the coronavirus was, I think, a gift from God or something like that yep. and you know, all that. And uh, that brings me to something. It's actually a, a listener, uh, Jose, he asked uh, specifically from you, for you, Jay, he said, what does Jay think about President Trump saying to not be afraid of COVID when Jay is reluctant to believe that people don't do stuff just because the president says it? And uh, why have so many, this kind of gets to what I was saying, why have so many Republican officials tested positive but almost no Democrats? And so what, what I mean, you have you know, mentioned it uh, in the past that you don't really think that necessarily yeah. Donald Trump has that much influence. And so what, what do you think about that? I mean. I mean, I think general statements like "Don't be afraid," "Don't let this dominate your life." Um, I think that's that's helpful and, and positive, and I think that's what most uh, medical folks would say, right? They would they would maybe add the, you know, preface of "Listen, you have to take this seriously," uh, but don't be afraid. Don't let it dominate your life. Um, you know, I think that would be sort of the preferred message, and, and that has been the message, I think, of the, the scientific community throughout. This. Um, President I, Trump's I good at the second part of that message, but not yeah, the no, first exactly. part. And, and I don't, I don't think that, um, uh, again, it's, it's the, the, don't, you know, take this, take this seriously. This is a, a, a real virus. Um, but look, if you also look at this realistically for most people, uh, the risk of, of death or, uh, severe complications, uh, is, is fairly small. Um, it's not zero. Uh, and, and it's, it's certainly, you know, look, I think anybody, if you said, would you, you know, rather have coronavirus or, or not, most people would say, no, I'd rather not. Um, uh, and, and certainly, uh, it, it can be deadly for those at high risk. Um, but, but I think there's also something to be said about, uh, you know, not, not sounding the, the panic alarm and saying, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Lock yourself up and cease all activity because, there's also a price for that um, that that we pay in terms of, of economic productivity, in terms of um, dealing with mental health issues, in terms of, of uh, dealing with with other medical issues that have sort of been put off, you know, because of lockdowns, because of people are afraid to go out, afraid to go to the doctor, um, those sorts of things. It's it's there's there's a cost yeah. to that, and I, I think so. I I, I, w- I would I would say, look, I I would agree with the the uh, don't be afraid, don't let it dominate your life statement. Uh, I think I'd add the caveat that, but take it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe don't in public appearances, you know, mock your opponent for being less of a man for wearing a mask. I, that's probably a good, a good uh, yeah. idea also. Yeah. I mean, again, I look, I, I still don't necessarily buy the, the look, I'm not going to wear a mask because Trump doesn't wear a mask. Um, 
and I think you and I just have different views on on how influenced people are by by what the president does or or doesn't do. Uh, I think yeah. people who are are not going to wear masks or are going to dismiss the the, the virus um, are, are going to do that anyway, and they're sort of Trump voters anyway because of that. It, it's it's not that oh Trump says uh, I don't or Trump doesn't wear a mask, so I'm not going to either. Right, um, and and I and I fundamentally disagree. I think right. that if Donald Trump had early on sort of tried to own the mask issue and gotten out in front of it and said, you know, real men wear masks and go to DonaldTrump.com and get my MAGA yeah. mask or something like that, that mask wearing would have been not maybe exactly as high because you're right. There are, there are a contingent of if the government says it's, it says to do it, it's wrong people. But I think that mask wearing would have been considerably higher among, among Republicans. And you don't. Okay. All right. Um, Oh, and so, in so terms of, it? yeah, you were, you asked in terms of the campaign. I mean, I think the conventional wisdom is that, you know, Donald Trump didn't really want to make this, this uh, election about the COVID or wanted to make it as little as possible about it. And so yeah. I don't really see there's any way in which this, this helps him. And certainly a lot of the polling that we're seeing that, you know, seniors are especially are moving away from the president. And I, I mean, I don't see there's any way this, this can help him. I don't know how much it hurts him just because so many people are already locked into their views. But obviously, this is not something that a president would want. Any president would want to have happen right before an election. Yeah, well, you 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 would you wouldn't think. So. And it's, uh, it's it's such a weird year. I'm, I'm so I'm so hesitant to make any any predictions um, or, or that and I'm looking more at, at how does this affect how how people uh, campaign and Trump is saying he's going to go back to doing a, he's going to do a rally on Saturday. Um, uh, I, you know, I expect that will have sort of the same, um, you know, response to most of the rallies do the folks on their left are going to scream. This is terribly, horribly irresponsible. And, and people on the right will say, yeah, okay. Um, but uh, uh, the, 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 the inability, I guess, to, to do regular campaigning, uh, that type of campaign, I think, hurts Trump um, a lot. Um, yeah, and, I and agree. just the the coronavirus sucking every other bit of uh, oxygen out of the room on any other issue um, uh, hurts Trump a lot. Yeah, I, on the campaigning issue, I want to mention. You know, he he pulled out of that town hall style debate, and actually, I think that coronavirus or not, that's a smart thing because when when the president did a town hall town hall style thing. I think it was in Philadelphia back in September, maybe it was, I think. Didn't go very well because I think Donald Trump's strength is not in sort of connecting with real people who have concerns. It's it's kind of making Donald Trump fans into Donald Trump super fans. He's really good at that, better than almost anyone I've seen in public life. But he's not so good at sort of measured responses to, you know, regular people. That's not really his thing, that kind of traditional politician thing. And so I think the town hall, in any case, only would have hurt Donald Trump even more. And so the fact that he could he had a good reason to pull out of it, I think, makes makes a lot of sense for his campaign. What what do you think? I mean, what do you make of the the uh, Commission on Presidential Debates, though, sort of unilaterally saying? Uh, hey, this is going to be a, um, a virtual debate uh, before trying to maybe work with with the uh, the campaigns uh, to say, look, here's here's a way we can do it safely. I mean, I 
I, I don't think that, uh, given the fact that we don't know how long the president is going to be positive for, and that more severe cases can sometimes be contagious for longer, I believe the science suggests, and and the the general reluctance or sometimes defiance of some of the people in the Trump camp to to wear to wear masks and take appropriate. What, what if you like put them in an actual like bubble or something like that? Some you know, I mean, yeah, you could put. I guess enclosure. you could, But it's also the people <laughs> you know involved there at the event, and you know, yeah. like in in the Cleveland event, there were plenty of the, the, what, a number of the Trump people, and they were given masks and asked it to put masks on. I believe by the Cleveland Clinic folks, and they just decided no. We're not going to do that. And so what do you do? You have, you know, you have mask police by these folks saying, right. you know, put it on or we will bodily escort you out. That's not going to happen. And so I think it was a, you know, it was a reasonable move by the Commission on Presidential Debates. And uh, so I don't, I don't really have a problem. Yeah, with no, that. I'm, I'm sort of a two minds on it because, because look, I, on the one hand, I think there, there could have been a way to uh, do this safely. Um, uh, but, and, and this is the big but, uh, you know, I also you could have visions of just just completely bizarre stuff happening, like, you know, Trump's going to Trump walks over to shake hands with Biden. And, and what does he do? I mean, is, is Biden is going to chase Biden around the stage yeah. or something like that? I mean, you could have just some completely bizarre scenarios. And I, I understand the commission's, um, uh, you know, wanting to avoid that. Definitely. Um, but but that would be perhaps you know the greatest presidential debate of of all time of like one one candidate chasing another around around the stage yeah um but uh uh no i i i think i i mean i i don't necessarily disagree with the the final decision i i think i disagree more with the the, the fact that it was reached unilaterally uh and just sort of announced because i i think there could have been you know, a way to a, a work around, but, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and maybe there couldn't have, but, but at least then there would have been more, I, I don't want to use the word transparency because that's not the word I'm, I'm really looking for. Um, it, it would not have fed into the Trump narrative of the, everybody's out to get me if it had played out that way. Well, well moving on, I guess the next uh, uh, topic that we we're going to discuss was the, uh, stimulus bill, the stalled stimulus package. Uh, earlier this week, uh, President Trump walked away from negotiations. Uh, the Democrats had most recently passed a $2.2 trillion um, spending bill, which is scaled down from what the original uh, $3.5 trillion uh, uh, spending bill looked like. Um, Trump uh, had been at, uh, and, and negotiator, your friend Stephen Mnuchin, uh, had been at 1.6 uh, trillion. Uh, they walked away. Uh, Six and Friday, I think three. Back. Pardon? I mean, the original House bill was three trillion. You said six. No, I said three point five. Oh, okay, I thought you just said six trillion. No, no, no. I said I said the Trump um, the Trump uh, response had been 1.6. Oh, okay, 1.6. Got it. Yeah. So yeah, the the starting positions were 3.5 trillion and 1.6. I thought it was three uh, trillion there, and one point six, wasn't it? Now what's that? I what's got ha- three and I got three and a half. Hmm, okay, I thought the Heroes what's, what's, Act. I mean, what's a half a trillion? Well, I thought the Heroes. I mean, the Heroes Act that that would that House passed back in May. I thought that was three trillion, and then on October first, they passed the revised Heroes Act and they cut it down to two point two trillion. So what was? Right. No, what, no, no. I, there was there was the I thought. Well, okay, we can we can differ over that. I I added it three point five. You have it at three. But regardless, the last. 
Last offer from the Democrats was 2.2. Trump was at 1.6 and has since on uh, Friday moved up to 1.8 trillion. Uh, That would include uh, 300 billion for state and local governments, um, which had been really one of the sticking points, right? I think both sides are agreeing on things like uh, airline bailouts and uh, checks to uh, citizens, you know, general handing out of handing out of money. Um, uh, That's, that's roundly popular. The, uh, uh, the the bigger issue are these state and local government bailouts. Uh, And uh, on that, the Democrats initial position had been 900 billion. uh, The then paired back, um, as of last week, in the, the, the 2.2 that was, was passed, 436 billion, and now Trump is at uh, uh, 300. So the sides are moving closer, and, and Wall Street uh, responded uh, uh, pretty heartily. I mean, on, on Tuesday, there was a big drop sort of immediately after the, the walk away, uh, with stocks rebounding sharply on the sense that something might, might happen. Now, the other piece of this, of course, is uh, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Uh, who has uh, indicated that he doesn't see how this gets done before the election, uh, what with some of his other priorities and important nominations. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's, so let's, your, I wanna, your thoughts I, now, where, where, where do we go? I want to talk about that. So do you agree uh, with Mitch McConnell that getting uh, Amy Coney Barrett confirmed before the election is a more important priority for the Senate than acting on uh, on uh, coronavirus relief um i think yes um Hmm, but i also would say i I think you could probably if 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 you really if you have the will you can do both i want to i want to i want to understand why you think that uh, because here here's what i'm thinking is that uh, judge barrett can be confirmed after the election in a lame duck session just as easily uh but every week that goes by without the senate passing something is another week that people are suffering, is another week that more businesses potentially are closing, more layoffs, and further increases the possibility that instead of having anything remotely looking like a V-shaped recovery, we have kind of a a second dip, a W-shaped recovery. And so I don't understand how confirming a justice that something that could just as easily be done after the elections, in fact, might even be easier in terms of some endangered Republicans, how that takes precedence over this relief for millions of Americans. And if you could explain that to me, that would be great. Well, I think, uh, one, looking at the politics of it, I think a lot of Senate Republicans need this. And if, if you look well, at let's, the polling... Let's, sorry, Jay, I, I, I wasn't clear enough. I didn't mean yeah. the politics. I meant in terms of what's the right thing to do for, for the country. Uh, and let me, let me because uh, I think I may agree with you on the politics, but in terms of the right thing to do. I still think, I, I, to me, I, I think when you're talking about big federal programs and money rolling out, uh, in terms of, of a week or two, uh, typically don't make much difference. Right. Um, so, uh, no layoffs. I mean, is, I mean is this tens sort of, of thousands sort of, of layoffs are going to be announced in the airline industry. And, uh, I mean, tell a, tell a family no, that's no, trying not, to get well, by. To, on, here's, here's the, here's the thing. If there is a deal that we know that there is a deal, um, those layoffs will not happen. Right. How I mean, does that, ha- how does that help? move on? Um, 
you know, it's it's not the, it's not going to change whether this if the Senate votes on those that issue before or after the election. And I would say you're more likely to get a a, a broader right a um, bigger package after the election, uh, particularly if Biden wins and if the Democrats do well. How does that matter, um, though? I mean, how does that help small businesses that are struggling and are just on the verge of closing that can't afford to stick it out any longer? How does that help people who, uh, you know, have been cut down to that maybe around, I think the average is around $300 a week in unemployment benefits who were getting up to that oh. 900 I mean, don't, I mean, you're not arguing that a week or two doesn't matter for them, are you? Yeah, no, actually, I, I, I am arguing that because. Look, oh, okay. Uh, we, no, let's let's talk. No, because here let's 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 talk about this realistically. That's what I was trying when to do. When yeah. real unemployment benefits, which are are paid, uh, you know, people get unemployment benefits regardless. There was an additional um, money that was tacked on on top of that. So this is if in the in the recession of the uh, you know 2008 recession, if you were unemployed, you would get unemployment benefits. You wouldn't get unemployment benefits plus six hundred dollars or three hundred dollars. Um, so no, it's not as if people's benefits are just simply being cut off right away. Um, secondly, um, and also there's before you get well, to secondly, I want to make clear that's not what I was saying. Uh, I was saying we have you know unprecedented, not unprecedented, but incredibly high levels of unemployment because of this, because of you know the the, the pandemic. And while people are not at zero, I, I think you would agree that there's a big difference between three hundred dollars a week and nine hundred dollars a week, and that difference is being felt every single day by millions of American families. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And so I guess let's maybe if we look at it on the other side, why does it matter whether or not Justice Barrett is confirmed on October 30th, as opposed to say November 30th? What explain to me why it's so important that she is, that, that this goes in line in front of, coronavirus relief. Because if she's going to get confirmed anyway, and I believe that it's almost certain that she is, I don't understand why that should be the priority. Well, let's, let me, let me back up and, and frame the question in a different way. Okay. Um, if this was, was so vital, why wouldn't Nancy Pelosi have agreed to 1.6 trillion uh, a couple weeks ago? Right. Why? Why would in the when the White House also offered, hey, we can do clean. We'll do clean bills on airline protection, on payments to individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll do that. And the House, again, rejected that. Absolutely. I agree with you on state, this, Jay. State and, and, um, and uh, local government relief. Yeah. And so I agree with you on that. Helping helping people. Why? Why wouldn't uh, I said I said on the show. Uh, several times in the last couple of weeks that I thought that the responsible thing to do would be to get whatever you could get through right away. So I don't disagree with you on that. But, you know, let's let's look at what's going on right now. And that's the Senate majority leader saying that I am going to prioritize I am going to prioritize the Supreme Court nomination over this. And so, yeah, I, I agree. But that doesn't again, that doesn't mean that what Mitch McConnell is saying is right. I mean, I understand the whataboutism thing. And so I'm, I'm agreeing with you on that. But that doesn't mean that what Mitch McConnell is doing is right. I, I, I think uh, McConnell had this. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure exactly what is it you, you want me to say. I don't I don't want Mr. you to McConnell, say anything. I'm McConnell just saying that McConnell is putting strategy above, above the American people. He's he's looking at it. He's looking at it from the standpoint of 
what's best for Senate Republicans as opposed to what's best for the American people. And that's certainly his prerogative to do so. I mean, you know, that's what he wants to do. And just like you, you could argue that, you know, Nancy Pelosi was doing a similar thing. If, if it's not right when Nancy Pelosi does it, it's not right when Mitch McConnell does it. Again, I, I'm, I, I, I think we're just at, at different places in terms of uh, what we believe sure. the efficacy of well, let me of ask you this: these I, government I, programs I, I, is I, going the other way. How does it matter if Justice Barrett, if Justice, if, if sorry, Amy Coney Barrett becomes Justice Barrett? Uh, you know, three weeks from now, or two weeks from now, or six weeks from now? How does that matter? Uh, because I think the Democrats would rather have her confirmed in a lame duck session. Uh, because that would give them fuel for continuing arguments about the legitimacy of the court. Uh, it would fuel their arguments that they therefore deserve to be able to pack the court. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I should have been clear. I meant, how does it matter in terms of for the American people as opposed to in terms of political strategy? My bad. Uh, I guess my, my response is exactly the same, uh, because it goes to the attacks on the legitimacy of the court, it goes to the, the uh, Democrat plan to pack the Supreme Court. Um, right? Why? Let's, let's put it this way. Why, why would the, the uh, House Democrats balk at um, moving this? And again, this has been going on for, for quite a while. Um, and let's be clear that House Democrats actually passed an act, again, back in May, and the Senate decided, Mitch McConnell, the Senate decided not to take up anything until right. the end of July, days before these expanded unemployment benefits ran out. And so, you know, in the normal course of things, well, how, you know, how the legislative process is supposed to work is that the Senate is actually supposed to be part of the legislative process, but Mitch McConnell made the, I guess, strategic decision to uh, outsource uh, legislative negotiations to Stephen Mnuchin and the White House. Uh, Mitch McConnell's decided that he's not going to try to work something out and then present it to President Trump and put the onus on him to veto or, or approve more relief before the election. And, and again, that's Mitch McConnell's right to do well, so. And doesn't, and doesn't that make a whole lot of sense? I mean, why would you, you pass something if you knew it was going to be vetoed? Well, I, I the think other, the other oh, point, sure. and this is this is something I, I don't I don't think that I'm not sure why you don't get is maybe Mitch McConnell thought that the, the Democratic uh, 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 version was not in the best interest of the American people. I think he did. I agree with you, actually. And I think right? that's I what mean, that there was. That's there, was the, there was an argument that in, in having in many cases, people who are getting paid more not to work than they would while they're working is a disincentive and that hampers the recovery. I don't disagree with that, Jay. So I, I do get it. But I'm saying that the House passed a measure in May and it took the Senate two months to even look at anything. So sure, there are going to be disagreements and that's what's supposed to happen in the normal course of business is the House passes something, the Senate passes something, especially if it's in a different party that maybe is a lot different. They come together in conference, they work it out and present it to the president. But Mitch McConnell has decided to jettison that process. And I think because he is primarily concerned about you know, Senate Republicans as opposed to the American public. Well, again, I think the way Mitch McConnell would would see the world is that the two are not mutually exclusive. His 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 caucus uh, and his worldview is that listen, the the Democratic proposal um, would would have been uh, hampered the recovery, 
would have been a a sop to a lot of these these blue states that have already uh, have uh, pension fund issues, other uh, big liabilities, and it it's, it would be at the the cost to the the average uh, U.S. taxpayer. And why should they 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 bail out uh, a state government? I'm not disagreeing. So, with so you. I think I mean, look, I think you can disagree with that view, but but the idea that um, Mitch McConnell doesn't jump uh, when Nancy Pelosi says so. Um, it's not about Nancy and Pelosi somehow, saying so. Somehow adverse to the American people, or or that the you know look we're we're both grown up enough to know that this is how these negotiations go, and and it takes months, it takes time. Um, would it have been better if this had been passed in June? Absolutely, um, but sometimes people aren't there yet politically. But, but it's but Jay, the thing is, is it's not about people not being there yet, or about disagreements being worked out or not. It's about a conscious decision by the majority leader of the Senate to not even negotiate, to not even talk about it. So I agree with you that, yes, there can be very real differences and well-meaning, well-intentioned people can say $3 trillion is just bananas and we can't do that. But then it is incumbent upon a responsible legislative leader who cares about the American public to say, and here's my counter, as opposed to, well, you know what, we're just going to just not even do anything. That is not okay, and that is that is I would say is just just abrogating their their duty. So, all right, I have to inject one last little bit of of real world real worldism here, uh, and that is people negotiate negotiations are based on um, sort of perceived power, perceived risk, um, and a lot of times negotiations don't happen until the perceived risk becomes great enough. Uh, and and you can say this is this is a terrible thing. Everybody ought to to work together and and be harmonious, but that's not the real world. And I, I think in in almost any negotiation, especially big negotiations where there are big differences, um, oftentimes you need to sort of come right up to the cliff and before you can get a deal, because neither side sees it in their interest uh, to, to to pull out early. And this this is seen in you know all the sort of the budget brinksmanship that uh, we've we've had over the years, which actually has has that's been uh, we haven't seen as much of that lately. They have passed the continuing resolutions to keep the government funded and so forth. But um, that's that's the way people negotiate. That's that's part of politics. That's that's part of life. And and I guess I'm just I'm trying to be a realist here and say, um, look, that's. Yeah, I get what Mitch McConnell's That's doing. Part of, part I, I, I agree. I, it, it's, you know. I get what he's doing, and I'm just saying it's wrong. Okay. So yeah, it, it may be realistic, but I'm but I'm saying it's but I'm saying it's wrong. Okay. And and I guess and I, I guess my response is if if you expect people to be unrealistic, um, uh, you'll you'll likely be disappointed. A no, lot, yeah, so. I, and I, and I agree, but I think that it's important for us to not just say, well, here's strategically why this is happening, but also to call people out on both sides when they're doing things that uh, that favor party interest and strategic interest and power interests over the interests of the American people. Because if we just look at this from an exclusively Machiavellian chess politics is a chess game. I think that that's I think that that's a morally questionable thing to do because we're talking about real people with real stakes here and we can never forget that and I think it's our duty as citizens to call elected officials out and to hold them accountable when they're playing these sort of games even though we know these games go on. 
again, I think you're you're kind of starting from a premise that 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 a a, a big bailout is absolutely necessarily the right thing to do. Well, I mean, the Fed has and said that, so, and, and the, almost the, all the, economists say so. Yeah, so it, well, I think there's a pretty but, good. But again, here we, we went we went through this of um, offering uh, clean, you know, separate bills, and you know, the other side doesn't want it. So, I mean, this is this is. This is how people negotiate in in Washington. This is how people negotiate in real life. And yeah, I, and again, I don't think we're we're not disagreeing about that, Jay. But I'm saying that if you say if if we see things going on that are putting strategy and party before country, if we just sort of throw up our hands and just say, well, you know what, that's just how things are. Yeah, that's that's true. It's a statement of reality. But I am saying that we have an obligation to say, hey, that may be how things are. But we have a right to expect more and to hold people accountable when they put party above country and not just to say, well, you know, that's just the world. Uh, here's here's the thing. You keep saying putting party above country, right? Yeah. But if, if you are if you believe that it's bad for the country to, to you know, sign on to two point two trillion or, or three trillion. um and that it will be better for the country to wait and have a better deal that's more focused. Um, are you putting party ahead of country? Uh, no, you're. I mean, I, I understand this is. So many folks on the left have this sort of. Well, this is you know our interest is necessarily the national interest always, and everyone else is is just. Um, oh, I'm not saying that, Jay. If, if I gave you that impression, I I I uh, I didn't mean to. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that the democratic interest is the interest of the country. I'm saying that. You know, you pointed out that Republicans could have good faith objections to the sort of things that were in the first heroes bill and in the revised heroes bill. And I agree with that. But I'm saying that the thing to do then is to come together and to work it out. And I as you immediately and, I, and I'm saying, as you know, I faulted Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats for not being more willing to put together something more targeted and past that. So I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you on that. But I'm saying that, you know, we can't. I think it's wrong for us to stick strictly to the realm of Machiavellian strategy and not to and not to demand more of our elected officials or at least to, you know, not just throw up our hands and say, oh, well, that's just how they are. All right. Here's here's my prediction. Uh, I believe there will be a stimulus package uh, voted on before the election. And it will be it will be somewhere between one point eight and and two point two trillion. I think you're right about the that. Senate, yep. The Senate will pass that, and the Senate will also confirm uh, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. I, well, I, I certainly, I certainly think that the la- the latter thing. As for the former, Mitch McConnell has been pretty, pretty strong on saying he doesn't know that it's going to happen. He's made repeated right. statements, so I, I'm not as sure. I hope, I hope you're right about that, Jay. But my, I, I, when Mitch McConnell comes out and says that multiple times, I am skeptical. I think he is going to protect. Uh, as many of his as many of his uh, contingent from any sort of difficult vote, and to me, what I I but, see but McConnell, what, again, if 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 you're correct, why should this be a difficult vote for them? Well, here's yeah, and that's a great point. Here's I think one argument for the logic of this: if Senate Republicans think that the Democrats might win control of the Senate, they think there's a good chance of that happening, and there's a reasonable chance of that happening. Then, if you're if you're Mitch McConnell, you can say, you know what? I don't want to have to have any of my potentially vulnerable uh, Senate Republicans in 2022 
cast a vote for trillions of dollars more spending because I don't want them to have to deal with the challenge from their right flank in 2022. And again, remember, that's a pretty big, like 20 some Republicans are defending sure. seats. And that's, okay, that's, that's, a good, that's a good argument. Yeah. And so if this is going to get passed anyway in, say, January or February with no Republican votes, then I don't have to put anyone in my caucus up for a vote that they're going to have to defend in 2022. And that makes a lot more sense for winning back the Senate in 2022 if I think that there's a good chance I won't. So I think that Mitch McConnell is protecting his members, and, and that's, that's what I have. That's what I understand it, but I think that's what I find problematic. Right. But, but again, I would say by protecting his members, uh, to me, that means doing what a lot of people in the country think is the right thing to do. Yeah, well, I, I think sometimes— right? I mean, he's, prote- he's protecting those members because the people, the people who live in those member states don't want to see— massive uh they they want to see a lower a smaller um i think you uh, misunderstand my argument sorry i wasn't clear enough i I think he's protecting his members from primary challenges to the right actually so and that then that 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 argument kind of kind of falls apart and i think there are uh, republicans who would vote for that if they weren't concerned about primary challenges in 2022 from the right which i expect a number of them would probably get and even if they won that would still, you know, make things a little more difficult for them, perhaps going into general elections. All right. So your your prediction is is no stimulus. Yeah, and I hope I'm wrong. Okay. But I, I mean, don't you also agree though? Look, if if um, uh, they lose this, they lose the Senate, and uh, uh, Biden wins, uh, there will be a massive stimulus that will far far exceed uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi's wildest dreams. Well, it won't. It won't. It will not exceed Nancy Pelosi's wildest dreams. She has some pretty wild dreams. Yeah, so. but it. But it also will not happen until sometime in January of 2021, and that's too long to wait. You know, I, I think at that point we're not going to see uh, anything like a V-shaped recovery again. It would be much more like that that W-shaped thing. It's pretty clear from almost all economists, and like I said. Uh, the Federal Reserve, that something needs to happen pretty soon. And so waiting three months for getting a better deal, I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's a, viable, a viable option. All right. Well, moving on and speaking of wild dreams, uh, there was a, a, uh, the Department of Homeland Security and uh, the FBI uh, thwarted a uh, plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan uh, from her uh, vacation home. Uh, the plot uh, I- includes all sorts of bizarre things like uh, secret hideouts with with trapdoors under under rugs, uh, a plan to blow up uh, bridges uh, in order to block uh, law enforcement's ability to come to the rescue, um, and uh, it was eventually thwarted by folks who were on the inside of this, who, who went to the feds uh, and then wore a wire and uh, got got information. Uh, to the federal government who took action and uh, have, have arrested uh, six suspects um, related to this plot, some of them tied to uh, militia groups. Um, and I remember back in 1994, the Michigan militia, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you always wonder, hey, what happened to those guys? Well, here, here they are, or at least they're, they're, uh, they're successors. So um, obviously this is, this is, one of the more bizarre things we've we've seen here, and I should add that the plot was also to kidnap the governor and then uh, essentially try her for treason um, because of 
for her stance on a lot of lockdown issues. So, um, Mike, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to take a wild swing at this and, and say you're probably against kidnapping governors. Yes. Of, of either party. Absolutely. I am very much against that. But, you know, and I I'd mean, agree with you. I'd agree with you on that, too. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's good. After we've been we had a lot of disagreements here. But, yeah, this is what we can all kind of come together behind, I think. And, you know, I, I to me, this is a sign of a, a broader thing, a very disturbing Thing, obviously, because this, there were a lot of people involved with this. But you, know, you take a look at the rise in uh, white nationalist groups and, and, and right-wing extremism. Uh, you know, the Anti-Defamation League reported a 182% increase in incidents of white supremacist propaganda from like 2017 to 2018. Uh, Homeland Security just came out with a report, I think, earlier this week saying that uh, white nationalism was the uh, the most persistent and lethal threat to the homeland. And so, you know, this is uh, this is a major, major concern. And, you know, part of it is clearly in response to uh, COVID, because these groups, I think, are using that to kind of gin up support. Part of it is in response to Black Lives Matter, certainly. But I think part of it also is in response to the uh, the statements and the sort of indirect encouragement, the, you know, the, the, the stand back and stand by sort of things that, that, that President Trump regularly says. And so I think everyone should be concerned about white nationalism and the rise in white nationalism. Well, I guess, I mean, let's, let's be clear. I, I don't know, and maybe you're, you're more aware than I am of uh, these groups, the, the group that fought the kidnapping governor being tied to the white nationalists. Uh, as opposed to uh, yeah, and your, they themselves you're, you're, you're run of the mill anti-government militia. Yeah, um, now the Michigan Attorney General said that the plotting involved white nationalist groups, so they weren't the that I mean the people who directly did this were not specifically a white nationalist group. So yeah, that's a, that's an important distinction to make. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> say say what you want about the guys, but um, you know, look, um. Hey, I may be a, I may be a lunatic uh, militia fringeman, but uh, but I'm no no white nationalist. Um, I, I I agree with that that the times of of stress that we've got have exacerbated these kind of these kind of issues, this sort of fringe fringe behavior. Um, whether uh, how much Trump plays into it, and I would agree Trump plays a part. Again, I think we're going to disagree on. The extent to which yeah. Trump plays for the apart. same I reason think, we I did in the mask. You have a view yeah. that sort of there's this the, these uh, folks out there who are sort of sitting by their their uh, um, you know radios hiding out in their bunker waiting for the next instructions from the president. Well, not quite, but yeah, I, get, I see what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah, and so and I don't think there. I think I think those folks are out there, and I think they're always out there. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and I think a crises might bring bring out more of them. And as as I pointed out, these you know. Yeah, the Michigan militia back in 1994 that was uh, uh, saying that they were going to start a civil war and secede from the Union and so forth. Um, and that, that kind of fizzled. Yeah, um, I, I think we can agree that certainly that President Trump doesn't help things. Like, for instance, I think a regular sort of normal-ish president after this had happened would have made a statement roundly condemning, you know, uh, far right extremist groups and that sort of thing, as opposed to saying, well, you know, the, the governor wasn't grateful enough to my Justice Department for, for doing this. And by the way, she's a lousy governor. You know, I think that's a 
It's well, a, tri- well, let, let's. Uh, but, but in all fairness, um, she sort of did. She sort of took the the tack that you're taking. That uh, hey, this is all Trump's fault, um, which was seemed to me sort of a gratuitous uh, tack. And, and again, should have been hey, that's really great that we thwarted this this plot. We can all agree that uh, right wing right wing extremism or extremism of any any wing uh, is not the way we approach our our political differences. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, this is this upsets me on both sides. I got to say, Jay, that, you know, in in that one in that first and um, we'll see if it's the only presidential debate. There's still one scheduled for the 22nd. Uh, Joe Biden, when he was asked about directly rejecting uh, Antifa, uh, he pointed out correctly that, you know, it's not a group. It's an idea. It's an ideology. And that yeah, the FBI. Drew, but, but but my point is, is that's a deflection, is that I think that the right response would have been to say, I. I utterly and totally reject any sort of far left extremism, and I reject the ideology of Antifa. I would have loved for Joe Biden to said that, just like I think it's wrong that Donald Trump won't come out and very directly say, I reject and condemn white nationalism and, and including specific white nationalist groups. And in fact, he yeah. just, you know, so I think you and I well, probably he, he has and actually, look, he has in the past. Now he didn't during the debate, and he really has not uh, really vocally since the debate done that. And I wish he would. Yeah, and it was weird because on I the that would be a good. Yeah, because on that on that stand back and stand by comment, right? That in, in fact the White House, when they were asked about a clarification of that, they focused on the stand back part, but they right. didn't really want to talk about what stand by meant. And sort of stand by is the worrying part of that. And the president, neither the president nor the White House, sort of issued any kind of explanation. And, and I think, you know, that that's, that's highly problematic. Yeah, no, I look, I, I'd agree. And, and to me, again, I think it's condemning white supremacist is, is sort of an easy political layup. And, and I, and I think, I think the, the pushback, I, I think if I'm going to try to get inside Trump's head, the, the pushback is, is the not being controlled by the, the media, not being, not having to say, um, you know, the media says, will you condemn these people? And well, yes, I, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's that thing of, of, um, you know, yeah, that kind of childish, no, you're not no, the boss no, of me. I won't. And I, they won't do it just because they yeah. want them to do it. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I, I agree with you actually about that. So I think so. it's, I think it's much less a, I'm trying to send, trying to send, you know, dog whistle signals or something to white supremacist groups as, and more just a stubbornness of um, I'm not yeah. going to say it because you don't you want me to. I think it's part of that, but I also think it's there's a part of like so these these guys are and they're mostly guys, right? These guys are voting for me. How can they be all bad if they're voting for me? They like me, and so there's something obviously clearly. And I, I'm you know I, I may be exaggerating for effect. Many but, of them very fine people. <laughs> you know, I'm both. Yeah, exactly. So so yeah, but uh, well, I'm glad we could at least end today with a certain amount of agreement. There, you know. We went we went kind of long on a few things, which is fine. There yeah. are so much that I wanted to talk about that we will, in fact, be talking about in our supporter show, like a topic that you raised, uh, the uh, the Brennan, the Brennan notes. Right. And we can kind of get into yep. uh, President Trump's concern that Attorney General Barr is not indicting people left and right and all that kind of thing. And the big news that there's not going to be a Durham report or any more indictments before the election. So. We're going to be talking about that. Maybe we'll say a few things about the vice presidential debate that don't involve flies on anyone's head. Um, uh, you know, and also I listened to that show that you did with Trey, 
Uh, and that was, we made that available to everyone, actually. And there were a few things that really bothered me. And so I was hoping uh -oh. we could maybe get into that as well uh, a little bit. So I think there's that and, and maybe a few other things. So if you are a supporter, that will be, that will be there for you on Tuesday this week. And if you're not a supporter and you'd like to become one, just go to patreon.com slash politics guys and sign up. And again, if you can't afford to become a supporter, just send me an email, mike at politicsguys.com, and I will get you set up with full access to all of our stuff. And something that everyone can do, and it's free, subscribing to the show, leaving ratings, reviews, and especially sharing shows on social media, that really makes a big difference, and we really appreciate it. If you just generally want to get in touch with us to ask a question, make a comment, mail at politicsguys.com. Uh, even though we're not we're not really actively going to be part of the bipartisan politics subreddit. It's still there and you can check that out. And, you know, I highly recommend it. I started it, you know, so, and there's also our Facebook page where we will still be posting new show links and where listeners can comment. And that's facebook.com slash politics guys page. And we're also on Twitter at politics guys. The executive producers of the politics guys are Bruce Johnson, Wilma Moreno, Andre Masker, Daniel Toe, Chris Wilkerson, and Nathan Sudnowski. We'll be back with a new show next week. We hope you'll join.